Hello, hello, my dear audience. I am Peter Resnick and welcome to the Dr. Peter Resnick's Toolbox. Once again, this is an open mic show. Uh, well, everybody welcome to call if you have any questions or comments. Uh, the number here is 888-874-4888. Again, 888-874-4888. Those of you who were with me uh, last week witnessed something that I would like to talk today about. And that was me working with someone with a caller on her night dream. And then the night dream, which was very meaningful, and that was uh, an image, a set of images where uh, she is trying to reach a top floor. Obviously, it's trying to reach something high in her life. And then the, there is a problem with an elevator. There was a conflict. Then the end of the dream. And that dream warranted what is called a waking dream. That is uh, a, an inner journey. Yeah, I will want to explain to you now what happened last week. So basically to encourage you to call. And if you have a dream that is just informative, you will learn something about yourself. If it's a, a dream that suggests that there is a, some kind of a conflict, that can be easily corrected. We do a correctional exercise that lasts between a minute and a two. And if it necessitates a waking dream, we'll do a waking dream. What is a waking dream? It's an approach first uh, described by Gerald, Dr. Gerald Epstein in his book, Waking Dream Therapy, and springs from uh, the teacher, my teacher of blessed memory, Madame Colette Bouquier Muscat of Jerusalem. And Dr. Epstein was her student and he also introduced me to her. So a waking dream is a guided exploration of one's inner world, inner reality, through the medium of imagination. The purpose of waking dream, and you know what a regular night dream is, but imagine that uh, there is no positive resolution to the dream. So the purpose of the waking dream is to give people an opportunity to travel willfully and through senses, through the world that embodies their belief systems, which they discover through images. In fact, this is the only way we can, the only one of two ways we can discover our belief system. Another way to discover a belief system is to look around, look at your life. Your life is a projection or reflection of your beliefs. You're not, not your, um, very often people confuse beliefs uh, with positive wish for, which means I believe I have rights. I believe I'm a free person. That's, that's something you want. That's something you uh, convinced yourself that you deserve. But the inner belief system, you don't know because it's unconscious most of the time. 
I think I gave you one time uh, an exercise to check your belief system. You, uh, it belief system can be checked about many different issues or aspects of life. I remember giving you this exercise. See yourself. Imagine yourself walking on a path. Somebody suddenly touches you from the back on the shoulder. You turn around. What do you see? What happens? And some people would say, oh, I saw a clown. Somebody else will say, I saw a friend. And somebody else would say, I saw a monster. So you understand that within a person's psyche, the person who saw the monster basically has this belief the world is not a safe place. So what do you do when you have this kind of beliefs? First of all, you probably more than likely have uh, your waking reality that is an unsafe place. And this waking reality is simply reflected in this image that came spontaneously. So you need to make changes in both in your waking reality through doing some kind of exercise, uh, practicing, um, taking upon yourself a practice where you build confidence and also you make inner changes. That is, you go into your belief system that is represented by an image and you make corrections. That's what, uh, that's regarding the belief system. So the experience of moving successfully through the challenges of this inner journey, I'm coming back to discussing what the waking dream is. Uh, this experience of, of moving through the inner journey alerts us uh, and one person's beliefs and the significance of the past events and creates new ways to meet experiences yet to happen. So uh, this waking dream actually is a blueprint of what will happen to you in waking life. It can be symbolic, like the, the defeating the monster, whatever it is. But once you make changes inside, inevitably you see changes in your waking reality. The waking dream experience not only permits uh, to see possibilities, but also permits create new possibility. And then once you create in your inner life new possibilities, sooner or later they will be expressed in your waking reality. And that's what I did with the caller last week. We encountered this dream where there was a conflict. And it took us pretty much 20, 25 minutes. By the end of 25 minutes, we discovered that there is a conflict and it needs to be explored. And then I, can, I kind of took a risk because I had only 25 to 30 minutes left of the show. And the, the reason I say I took a risk is because with the waking dream, you never know how much time it will take. In this situation with this woman, it wasn't very complex. Uh, it unfolded uh, pretty, pretty quickly in a very positive uh, way. And we finished probably uh, within 15 to 20 minutes 
the whole waking dream. But sometimes it takes a long, long time. And I really cannot afford someone uh, being in a good, not a good, good place and interrupt end the session. I, I will tell you a little story. Many, many years ago, I worked with a lady who in waking life was depressed, had nightmares and had a lot of problems. And, you know, the session is one hour. So uh, I started doing a waking dream because she had a disturbing dream where, uh, again, somebody was chasing her. She then she was in jail. She escaped. Somebody was chasing her again. And so we do a waking dream to find her way out. And suddenly, you know, when she goes into this moment where she is trying to escape from her pursuers, she falls into a ditch, then slides down through a tunnel, and suddenly worms start coming out of her skin. Remember, this is all spontaneously coming images. And and it's endless, no matter what I say. As a guide, I cannot tell her, imagine everything is good. That's fake. It has to happen organically. The, The waking dream has to happen organically, where changes happen while a person uses his, her will and my guidance, but we cannot fake it. We cannot just say, oh, everything is good because nothing then will change inside. So, and it just wasn't happening. One dream, uh, one image was going to another image and every image was very disturbing. And then I'm looking at my watch and it was five minutes before the end of the session. And I know another person is waiting in the waiting room. And so I teach this. I tell this, by the way, uh, to my students whom I teach um, what I do. I think I mentioned to you I have now. I, I'm in the middle of the course, 60-week course. Uh, and I tell this story how you can really screw up. Uh, so I had to scramble it all and say, okay, see yourself escaping quickly, see the light, you climb out and open your eyes. But in reality, it didn't happen organically. She did not find her own way. I forced her to end the session. And then she called me uh, the next day. I believe it was, um, I, I, I don't remember what it was, what day it was. Uh, I think it was Saturday. Yeah, it, it was so long ago. I still did not I picked up the phone on Shabbat. Now I don't pick up the phone. I don't use electronics. But so it was at least 20 years ago, because then I was picking up the phone and watching television on Shabbat. So I think the session was on Friday. And then on Saturday, she calls me and says, Dr. Resnick, I'm dead. I said, what do you mean? She said, I came home, I was exhausted. It's as if I'm, I have no energy. I, I don't have fever. I'm not coughing, I'm not sneezing. I feel like I'm dead. And I realized that it was a consequence of my waking dream because I didn't really uh, guide her to find her way to freedom, to health, to life. And I asked her to come to my home on Saturday and we did a waking dream and it lasted another hour till she, through incredible, incredible adventures and fighting and earning her right to freedom, completed the waking dream 
successfully. The, the incredible thing that happened after that, she always came to my office in dark clothes. Uh, and after this waking dream that she really triumphed, that she came for the next appointment in a beautiful, beautiful, uh, colorful dress. So I knew that the waking dream worked well. So going back to uh, the waking dream that I had with this lady, if, ladies and gentlemen, I'm just reminding you and, and telling you how significant the journey was, but you are not my students who are learning to practice what I teach, but with the students, in fact, I suggest to all my students to go on archives and to watch yesterday, uh, last week's session, because it was a very good example of how you determine that the dream needs a waking dream and how you conduct a waking dream. And my, my assumption, and you and I will see if that will happen, and the, the, the caller promised us to call within a couple of weeks and let us know uh, what happened. But my assumption is that good changes hap will happen in this woman's life. But of course, if she were my clients, there is another piece of work that needs to be done. And Ellie, if you are uh, listening today, then I will tell you what to do. You need to write down that night uh, waking dream and then make an illustration. Make one or as many pictures you want illustrating the, the whole waking dream. Why? Uh, you, you don't have to use them, but you have to have different color crayons available when you make a drawing. So, and then you email to me that drawing. I tell you why, because I understand the meaning of colors and positions, uh, uh, use of space. And it tells me what impact this waking dream had on you. So if you are there, please do this. I, I was already finishing uh, the show, so I, I think I did not tell you, I didn't give you this assignment. So I'm giving it to you now. So ladies and gentlemen, I just want you to, to understand the significance that of, of what we did last week. Uh, we really, uh, a woman shared with a dream that showed the conflict. And here on the air, we were able to, I believe, resolve the conflict. And I don't have to know the nitty gritty, the little details about her life, even though she shared with, with uh, many aspects of her life, because when we worked the dream, I had to ask questions. But this is it. Within one, two sessions, a person can make tremendous changes in, in their life. They don't, you don't need to sit in a therapy session week after week and talk about uh, details of everyday life and, and why it's not working. A waking dream is, is a possibility to change the inner structure, inner beliefs, and then it will definitely change uh, your waking life. Anyway, um, if anybody wants to call now, please feel free to call. Uh, basically, that's what happened last week was my ideal show, meaning that people call, 
and I work with them. And it doesn't have to be only with a with night dream. Remember, I my specialty is mind-body therapy. Whatever issues you may have, whether physical or emotional, I will attempt to address here uh, during the show. I will also give you assignment. So do feel free. You know, you're getting kind of a free session. Uh, if you would have to make an appointment with me, it's quite an expensive session, or, or I would send you to one of my students who are quite good, um, but it still costs money. Here you have an opportunity um, to get assistance, and of course, my listeners will, will benefit from the experience. Uh, by the way, if you have questions, uh, in, and you don't want to call, you can send me an email. If you don't have my email yet, here it is, drpeterresnik at gmail.com, G-R-P-E-T-E-R-R-E-Z-N, as Nancy, I-K, at gmail.com. So um, I'm looking forward to you calling. Please, you're welcome to call. Otherwise, you know, I, I have to talk, so not to just sit quietly and wait till somebody calls. So, but please remember, I will interrupt, I will stop whatever I'm talking about and address the issue that you present. Uh, last week, I go back to what I started with last week before the, uh, we received the call. Last week, the gentleman, James, called, no, no, not last week, but the week before, and I wanted to answer his questions. He called during the show, asked I me mean, about uh, um, different ways of dealing with stress in everyday life, but also he sent me quite an incredible email with a lot of questions. I don't think that I can answer all of them. Uh, for example, he asked, you know, knowing that I'm coming from Ukraine, he asked me, for example, about uh, Chernobyl. I know I was already living, uh, it happened, I believe, in 1986. I already was living in the United States. I know as much as everybody else through, through the news. Uh, but he asked me other questions that are quite, uh, uh, the questions are good. I'm concerned if I start answering those questions, it will bring even more confusion uh, than people already have. And that's regarding what's happening with Ukraine and Russia. Uh, because he asked me about the conflict and what I think, and uh, he asked me about key cities of Kiev and Odessa, what I know about them, and Putin. And, um, well, I can tell you uh, one thing. I am not a friend of Putin. Putin was, before he became a president, was a head of KGB and it's a nasty, nasty uh, organization. Uh, and 
he was the head of it and all the things that he did to his opponents i don't need to repeat to you but saying as i say that when we talk about the war that is happening now and everybody is witnessing these horrific things that happen uh to ukrainian people and of course uh, there is no i think person who wouldn't feel uh empathic compassion toward uh, little children and, and uh, civilians being killed. But I also have to say that the war itself was inevitable. And unfortunately, and I share with you only my beliefs, and some people actually share these beliefs, uh, the war is not a consequence of Putin being a bad guy. He is a bad guy, and he is definitely a tyrant, um, which actually is demonstrated now. Uh, I have people who have families in Russia, and they talk to them, and, and uh, there is no free news in, in Russia. People can go to jail because they they say something about Putin, or it's just like back in the Soviet Union when I lived there. So, but at the same time, I believe that the war was not caused by Putin being a bad guy, but it's orchestrated. It's made inevitable by NATO and the United States. And it's, I'm very sorry about it. I love, uh, I love this country. Uh, I've been living in America for 41 years. It gave me incredible opportunities. Uh, I love the people who are charitable and beautiful people. And yet, unfortunately, the government of the United States uh, in the last 25 or a little more years was orchestra making it impossible for the, this war horrible war to happen. Of course, it could be conducted differently without killing civilians. Nevertheless, the war was to happen. Why? Because when um, uh, Ronald Reagan remembered the famous words, Mr. Gorbachev, break down that wall. And then Gorbachev and Reagan were negotiating and um, Gorbachev expressed his concerns that if he does indeed allow the, so the bloc, the Soviet bloc to fall apart and does allow all the countries that they were basically occupying to go free, that, that they may turn against the Soviet Union. He needed assurance from Ronald Reagan that um, NATO will not begin to expand. And Reagan said, not an inch. Reagan gave the promise that the countries, quote, liberated from the Soviet occupation will not become part of the NATO. And at that time, 13 countries were parts of uh, members of NATO. Now there are 29 members of NATO. So and basically a whole Russia is surrounded by the troops, by armies of NATO uh, from every side. Uh, remember Turkey on the other side of Ukraine is also of my city, Odessa, 
is also a member of Ukraine. So, and in 2014, Putin clearly said he draws a line on Ukraine. Ukraine cannot become part of NATO. And the, the, um, what they call the euro de facto, uh, um, through law, it did not become part of NATO, but de facto, in reality, it slowly was becoming part of NATO. It was receiving weapons from Turkey, uh, from NATO country. So, another choice. And few things about, few words about uh, Crimea. Again, I, I am not justifying uh, the brutality of Putin's actions. I am just ex telling you what I know uh, about territories that he uh, annexed, like he annexed uh, Crimea. But Crimea was always Russian. It's only 1954 where Khrushchev, who didn't really know what he was doing, and anyway, Ukraine, Russia, it didn't matter. Um, it didn't matter uh, to whom what part belongs because everything had the same law. So he called it, made it part of Ukraine, Khrushchev. But before that, it was always part of Russia. Um, Crimea was uh, uh, defeated, that is, Crimean Tatars were defeated by a Russian army. And the Russian people died there and then uh, occupied Crimea. And, and many uh, horrific things happened, actually. I will not go into it. But the same thing with my city, Odessa. I come from Odessa. It's on Black Sea. But it was not ever a Ukrainian city. It was a city that was uh, captured in 1789 by the Russian general and Russian soldiers. Russian General Suvorov, and was named Odessa after a Greek settlement uh, that existed before Turks uh, took it over and called it Fortress Hajibe. So Hajibe was defeated. But before there was a settlement called Odessa. So Suvorov called the city Odessa, and it was a, a Russian city. In fact, when I lived there, majority of people spoke Russian. So you see how complicated it is. I am trying to, to answer Jay's questions and I'm waiting for you to call, ladies and gentlemen. Um, if you're not calling, okay, I, I will continue talking. Um, here, Jay asks another question. Why do people talk about Zelensky as a comedian when he uh, went to law school uh, because he because he was a comedian. You know, people go to uh, many different schools and uh, sometimes not not uh, apply themselves in the area. Um, I, in fact, I I listen to some of watch some of the Zelensky shows. I think they're very funny. I think he's great uh, as a as a president, he's also great. He has the courage, uh, of course, and, and um, he's a great leader. Uh, politically, that's questionable. Uh, what, what his involvement was with Biden's son and Biden, I don't know, but 
it doesn't sound right. And also, he was playing with fire. He was playing with NATO and, and was trying to bring his country into NATO, which was a big mistake. And uh, Putin warned about it in 2014. What else? Uh, Jay asked another question. What might be the key? What might be the key to how and why so many astonishingly successful people in the United States come from Ukraine? Okay, I will try to answer this question. Uh, those who you call Ukrainians who became very successful in the United States, that's true. They are not ethnic Ukrainians. They are probably wonderful, many uh, successful Ukrainians as well. But majority of highly successful people are, they are indeed from Ukraine, but they're Jews. Remember, there is some confusion. People confuse um, citizenship with ethnicity and with religion. So if people ask me, where, who are you? I'm saying I'm Jewish. I don't say I'm Ukrainian by the place I was born. It's just a place where I was born. So, um, but a person can be Jewish, but not follow Judaism, not be religious at all, but he's still Jewish. So Jewish is not a religion, Jewish is ethnicity. So what I want to say is regarding success of Ukrainians, uh, it's people who came from Ukraine. There was a huge, huge immigration from Ukraine of, of uh, the Soviet Jews from Ukraine. Huge, I'm talking about hundreds of thousands of people. And a lot of them uh, are successful. Uh, it brings us to a question why are Jews so successful in the world, period? They are 0.02% of population, which means one of two people out of a thousand are Jews. And look what they do, you know, 50% of grandmasters in chess are Jews. 26% of uh, Nobel Prize winners are Jews. Uh, the answer was given by, I'm so sorry, I don't remember his name, by a Muslim, a very educated person, PhD, I don't know in what, but he is a successful businessman. And he wrote an article, I believe the title of the article, Why Jews Are So Powerful. And he explains, there is nothing special about the Jews. We are all the same biologically. There is one huge difference, education. And I, I totally agree with him, education. Jews are always in wherever, whatever country they are, who are 100% literate, 100%. In countries, I, I'm talking about uh, 7th century, 8th century, where there was total illiteracy. Even the kings, not all kings could read and write well. Only the clergy was, uh, was quite educated. I, I give you an example. 
reaction. I, I didn't I think that it will carry me away to this, uh, to this subject. But I give you an example of what happened in seventh century. Uh, now it was actually beginning of eighth century. Uh, there was in France, France, by the way, most Europe was like uh, divided in small uh, principalities. So there was a, how do you call it? Not a king, but like a, a what's that name? Uh, uh, let's say, you know, the head of, like a head of a state. It was city-states, or it would be a city uh, like Burgoyne, for example, area, or Brittany, which be, belonged to, the, to uh, uh, the English, uh, or in, in Germany, there was Bavaria. It was a state, Silesia, a, a state. There were small um, city-states in what is now France. And Charles Martel, um, grandfather of Charles I, uh, Charles Martel was trying to unite the whole Europe. Now I'm telling you uh, uh, about information that I received through the book called uh, A Jew of Narbonne. Narbonne was a town in northern France with the large Jewish population. So in 8th century, as you know, there were knights. They were on horses in full armor. Uh, and, and then there were, uh, how do you call it, uh, the soldiers. Uh, I, I, I don't know the term. You see, I did not. Uh, just regular soldiers on foot. Uh, with spears or with swords and shields, but nobility was cavalry, was on horses and full armor. And so Charles, and of course, if a person was knocked off the horse, then he definitely would get killed right away because uh, the, the enemies were on the horses. And so Charles Martel uh, was in the war, uh, in a battle, and he was knocked off his horse. And immediately, one of his knights jumped off the horse and helped Charles to get on, on his own horse. And then that man was killed. And, after, and Charles Martel and his troops won the battle. In fact, by, uh, by, by, by the year 700, 30, Charles Martel united all uh, a huge part of Europe under his rule. And uh, France was consolidated. Uh, the, uh, France, as we know now, was part of this territory that he conquered. So, but the interesting thing about this incident, uh, after the battle was over, he wanted to thank uh, the person who saved his life. And he went through the field because he witnessed, he saw that his savior was killed. And so they found this man and he asked his generals or whoever was around him, who, who is this man who saved my life? And they said, oh, this is a Jew 
from Narbonne, from northern part uh, of Francia. Um, and there is a Jewish population there, and he's from there. And so they, he asked to embalm the men, and the whole army went to Narbonne uh, and carrying the men's body. And when they arrived to Narbonne, what shocked him was that he saw all around children, in, in it was not uh, like a city like today, it was more like a village with thousands of people, few thousands of people. But what he saw, everybody with, was with a book, children, girls and boys were reading books. And so he met the elders of the city and uh, buried with, uh, the un with honor in a Hebraic way this, this man who saved his life, and he asked about um, education, and, and the elder said, this is part of our tradition. Everybody has to be educated because we need to read the Torah. We need to read the Bible. So, and Charles was so impressed that he, he had, I, I'm not sure, 10 or 11 sons, and he married all his sons to Jewish uh, young women. So, uh, so you know, one time uh, years ago, I, I heard this uh, neo-Nazis were saying, oh, Jews are blood drinkers. They, they're part, they're kings. A lot of kings come from the Jews. And I spoke to my teacher of blessed memory, Colette. I said, they're crazy. They, that's what they say. And she said, no, this is true. And she told me about this book, uh, A Jew of Norborn. And she said, this is true. Because uh, according to Jewish law, it's when the mama, mother is Jewish, then the child is a Jew. And uh, Charles Martel married a lot of uh, his sons to Jewish women. And their children eventually became kings of different parts uh, of Europe. In fact, again, another historical event. And again, they, they still were, uh, they still were fighters, they still were fighting wars. But the story goes of one, and I'm not sure it was of Bavaria or different city state that, um, the, or area, not city state, that one of the of the kings would go with his troops, fight the enemies, but on Shabbat, the army would rest because he was observing Shabbat, the, the faith of his mother. So that's a little journey into, into Europe. So, but basically, all Europe. So basically my answer to James, why success, why so many people from um, uh, immigrants from Ukraine are uh, so successful, uh, I, I know a lot of people who came with me in 1981, and, and they, uh, they have like big businesses, uh, or they, they're doctors, they're professionals, uh, nothing special about us. It's just education, and it's education kind of is in our genes, you know, 
any any you ask any Jewish family, the bigger the number one investment they make is not in having a special car, but making sure that the child gets good education. So it's time for me to be quiet a little bit. I want you, ladies and gentlemen, to call and ask you ask questions if you have. No, <laughs> I am trying. I'm trying to get you involved. Uh, let me let me try something. I'm still trying to get you involved. Uh, remember, I spoke about this waking dream. Why images are so important? Uh, Swiss psychiatrist Carl Jung, in the beginning of 20th century, already noticed that there is great symbolism in images that come to our mind. So, in fact, he did, he invented what is was called direct daydream, which is a little bit similar to waking dream that we do, but different in in, in some fundamental ways. But he spoke about universal symbolism. So there is something I actually prepared for you today. If you want to participate, if you want to get an assignment, so get uh, get a pen and a paper. Uh, I will be able to tell you a lot about you, where you are in life, what your potentials are, what are the challenges, by you making a drawing. Oh, here we go. We have Jay from Queens. I think this is my friend Jay. Yes, Jay, <laughs> you're on the air. Thank you for calling. Uh, hi, Dr. Resnick. Uh, uh, I don't remember if I, I know I brought up stress last time, but uh, I'm going to, I don't remember if I went into this detail before, but in 2008, I went through a terrible time in my life. Uh, where uh, I ended up, um, without going into all the detail, I ended up going entirely broke. Uh, I lost everything that I had worked for, and this was, uh, uh, I was about 57 years old at the time. And uh, I ended up going from a three-bedroom duplex to to uh, to living in an apartment one bedroom in somebody else's apartment. Uh, I, I went totally broke. I came close to being homeless. Uh, mm -hmm. Shortly after that whole adventure, uh, even though I, I have studied wellness for, for many, many decades, and I, I'm in the process of starting to write a book on this. Yeah, but, told, yeah. Yes, but at the same time, this is a mind-body question because amidst all that stress and the anger and the frustration of having gone broke, mm -hmm. uh, about a month or two later, my I started having in my right eye, which I know is related to the liver, to my understanding, uh, and the vision's related to the liver, but the the point is that it was the start of glaucoma. And uh, now, uh, all these years later, uh, I would say that out of that one eye, which was my better eye my whole life, uh, I'm going to say I've lost about 70% of the vision. And yet, uh, I, I am now 70. Uh, I 
<clears throat> Most of the ways, I'm in very good shape. I do push. I just did 25 push-ups this morning. Uh, I run up eight flights of stairs. Man. <laughs> well, you're great. Oh, yeah, so good. <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah, but but good. the point is, I would love to, uh, in, in studying my wellness, I am doing a lot of research to figure out how to reverse this, uh, this loss, I would guess, of my optic nerve capability, even yeah. though they, in mainstream medicine, they say that that's not possible, but I don't believe it. And if anybody might know, perhaps you might. Jay, Jay, thank you for for calling. I, I mean, I wish you called before or sooner today. Uh, you know, uh, a long time ago, Dr. Gerald Epstein was on, I believe at that time, Heralda show with a patient who drove the car and suddenly everything became blurry and he stopped seeing. Uh, he had to park the car, put an emergency, you know, call um, ambulance. And so they, they, they said permanent optical nerve damage. And Dr. Epstein came with this man uh, to, to this Heraldo show and his vision was 2020. Wow. So he worked with Jerry. Yeah, yeah. That that happened maybe 20, 20 years ago. Jerry died only three years ago. So uh, absolutely, you know, I would so much appreciate if doctors would not say there is nothing can be done. The doctor would say in Western medicine, we don't know anything. We don't yes. know, don't have a way to help. That would be fair, but not nothing to, can be done because a lot can be done. Uh, there are, there are uh, Chinese exercises for, eye, for the eyes, uh, uh, for, for glaucoma, and there are mental exercises. Uh, it's interesting you say that um, the eyes, the vision is connected with liver. I, I don't know, I do not know about it. Maybe you got it from Chinese medicine, but yes, that's I, Chinese traditional Chinese medicine. Yes, yeah, traditional Chinese. Yes, I, I because I did not study traditional Chinese medicine. I look at the eyes as their function. There is a meaning to the eyes, and then both uh, traditional Eastern and traditional Western medicine views left side as connected with the past and the family of the origin and the right side is connected with the now and the potential for the future. So that's how I treat it. Uh, possibly, you know, it can be if, if, if it's connected with liver, which, uh, which uh, Chinese believe uh, is not only a seed not only connected with vision, but also a seat of anger. So then, then you have even a bigger picture. Jay. But I, I really appreciate your perspective on the right side uh, yeah. about the, pres the present and the future, because here I went broke and I saw no, no present and no future. Right. right. You, you know, Jay, it's, it's so strange. Like, you, you know, you said you just did 25 push-ups. And like to this morning, I was doing 25 push-ups. And another <laughs> coincidence I want to tell you, 
I, I have a problem with my right eye uh, in the last year and a half. And I, it's not glaucoma, but uh, like my eyelid is drooping, uh, closing. It's like is that closer? And, and, and I identified uh, some fear, some concern I have that I was in denial of, but having this problem made it impossible for me not to address it. You understand? Is that, I'm sorry, is that called ptosis, P-T-O-S-I-S, with the eyelid drooping? I, I don't know the term. I think, I think so, because I went to see actually the eye doctor. I believe you're right, but I don't, I, I, I think he, that's what he said. But regardless, you and I have a problem with the right eye. Mm -hmm. So, um, so the, the, immediately we have to think, uh, look, you were afraid to look in the future. That was a while ago you started developing a problem. But we are dealing with right now. Right now you have a problem. So possibly it's only a consequence of what happened years ago, and possibly uh, there is something that you are not comfortable looking at in the now. Just give you an idea, with this uh, patient that Dr. Epstein had, uh, who, who went blind, uh, he uh, did not, literally did not want to see uh, that somebody is doing very well, in spite of him not approving their actions. So, and, and it was a very emotional issue because it was his daughter and then uh, he stopped seeing. And as a result of work with Jerry, uh, he reconnected with, with family members, he forgave, he asked for forgiveness, and now he, he, he came with Dr. Epstein to the show to testify. Mm -hmm. so, so our work is um, on, I, I will tell you what I would do, let's say if you would come to my office, which I don't have an office now, it's a virtual office. Uh, and again, if, if you would like to, again, because this show is for me to be helpful to people, but also for, for the listeners to learn. So I will be happy, of course, we have only nine minutes of this show, but I will be happy to to work with you through this issue and see if well, I can help it's you. It's very interesting. I'm sorry. Yeah. So then, you know, I will, let's say, we'll take uh, in the coming couple of shows half of the time, half of the show, and I will guide you in what to do. Number one, because I don't know your life story, and you don't need to tell all the details, but what we'll find about your life and the purpose uh, for this for the, for this I talking to you through your night dreams, because that's the best way for us to know to go into your psyche. You will say, but how will the night dreams know? That, that I am dealing with with the eye, because right now you're listening to me, and your mind knows who gave you the assignment to write now down the dreams, and your your mind also knows that the person that asked you to write the dreams is intending to work 
on your eye. So therefore, and the body wants to be well. The body absolutely is committed to doing everything it can to be in balance. We are the ones who screw up. We are the ones who, who with our stories, with our indecision, with our, with, our, with our anxieties that contribute stress and then change the chemistry. So therefore, your mind, your subconscious mind is listening now, right now, and happy that you deci decided to address the issue. And it will do everything it can, starting with the night dreams. So what I want you to do is when you uh, get home, or get home, I'm sorry, <laughs> you're probably at home. So you take a piece of paper and write down, dear higher self, that's how at least I, I call it, the, the dream maker, the part of us that create dreams. Uh, dear higher self, please inform me through my night dreams of how to repair my vision and how to face my life challenges. But when you, because you see, when you say face my life challenges, you're already promising to the eye that looks into the future. I'm going to face it. So, and when, when next week, if you call in, um, we'll look at the dream and see what the dreams are telling. All you need, don't remember, you don't need to have 20 dreams. If you have one dream, that's more than enough. Then I will also teach you uh, next week some exercises, mental exercises, to begin to deal with the symptom. Remember what when I ask you to write the dreams, it's to understand the meaning behind the symptom. What is it? Which means your story, my eye, right, right eye is affected and your right eye is affected. But each of <laughs> us has a different issue. So, but that's dealing with the issue. But I will teach you next time an exercise for the symptom itself. And uh, an exercise mental and an exercise uh, uh, from from yoga uh, to stimulate um, uh, the healing process uh, of your right eye. Again, I cannot tell you, Jay, relax, man. I will cure you. <laughs> you will be perfectly fine. Any person I meet when they say, do you know if you can help me? I say, I don't know. <laughs> I never know what will happen tomorrow. I don't know if I will be alive tomorrow. But I know that I'm committed doing my best to help you. Well, I will do my homework. Uh, okay. I will do what I can to be here next Tuesday to do that. Uh, I, I live in Forest Hills, and sometimes I go out and I do Tai Chi with the Chinese community. Uh, so, I cannot believe it. Jay, guess where I live? I have no idea. Is that crazy? I live in Forest Hills. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're brothers. I think we must yeah. have been brothers. <laughs> oh, at least neighbors. <laughs> okay, Jay, thank you very much for calling and looking forward to hearing from you uh, next Tuesday. I will do my homework. Thank you very much, Dr. Reznor. Right. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> look how many coincidences. <laughs> So funny. I, when he said, when, when Jay just said the park, I actually know which park he goes to.
uh, it's in uh, Forest Hills uh, Gardens. So I may bump into him. Maybe I actually did, but I never thought that it's Jay and he didn't think it's Peter. Anyway, life is interesting, isn't it? Uh, I will still take time next week to talk about uh, the six pillars of well-being. Uh, in fact, I was about to talk about one of the issues of the fifth pillar, our uh, character traits and conscious beliefs. To, I, I was planning to talk about greed. But then I had a conversation with my nephew, Vlad, who you already many of you know, because I invited him a number of times. And he suggested something, and I think he's right. When I told him about all the challenges that I spoke, like uh, guilt, uh, anxiety, uh, anger, and um, uh, doubt, and so on, he said, what about blame? If you put blame on other people, you will never deal with any of the problems. And I thought, God, he's right. So I added another subject, blame. I will probably next week talk about blame as well. Anyway, I thank you very much for being with me today. Uh, I'm so happy Jay called. I hope, uh, I believe it's Ellen with whom I worked last week. I hope Ellen will call also and let us know about how she is doing after the waking dream. Again, thank you very much for being with me. And I'm looking forward to having your attention next week. Peace to all who want to live in peace.